All right, here we are on the Sunday after Easter, and it, it seems like uh, maybe the second go-around of winter, doesn't it, Ty? Well, today's typically known as Low Sunday. Can you guess why? The Sunday after Easter is Low Sunday. Well, that's because it's usually at low attendance, and that's evidence. You look around. We had a great crowd last week. We celebrated the resurrection. Um, and uh, one of the other things about Low Sunday is it usually there's less emphasis given to the resurrection. Now, in reality, the resurrection ought to be something we celebrate every Sunday. In fact, every day ought to be a day in which we as believers who have committed our lives to Christ and live in the power of the resurrection, we ought to be celebrating resurrection every day. It ought to be a, a life-changing experience that gives us purpose and meaning and power in our life. And I want to suggest to us today that what we need are some resurrection realities. We need an Emmaus Road experience. And that's what we're going to look at in our scripture today from Luke's Gospel, chapter 24. And when we look at this story, if you haven't read it in a while, or maybe you'll be reading it or hearing it for the first time, or maybe in a long time. Uh, it, it's a story, I think, that has everything a great novel would have in it. Um, that, that the most exciting thing is, is that the hero comes back to life or comes and shows himself when they thought he was dead and he's emerged victorious over all of his enemies and that gives strength and hope and power to those who loved him and thought that he was dead. So let's look at the story in Luke 24, beginning in verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God, and all the people, the chief priests and our rulers, handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Then they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. 
Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. What a transforming story. What a transforming incident happened in the lives of these two followers and believers in Jesus Christ that Easter afternoon. They were having a low Sunday. They were downcast. They were filled with fear and disappointment and dread. And as they walked along the way, I'm sure that they discussed all the things that they witnessed that last week in the life of Christ. And they were so caught up in in, in their grief and disappointment, they didn't even recognize Jesus when he fell in step with them. And he asked them the question, what is it that you're talking about? And the scripture indicates that Cleophas and his uh, other companion just kind of stopped. I mean, it just shocked them so that here was somebody who was asking them what happened. And it's like, uh, 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 where have you been? Have you been in a cave for the last week? Are you only a visitor that you don't know what's happened? So they began to tell him everything that had happened. Now, the interesting thing is, is this is Jesus standing there, and Jesus experienced everything that they're telling him. And so as they walked along, it seemed like uh, they're just so caught up in their dread and their fear and disappointment that the seven miles passed so quickly. And, and when they came near the town, Emmaus, where they were going, where I think they lived, uh, going home, they, they asked Jesus to stay with them. And, and they shared in a meal. And as they sat down at that evening meal, Cleophas asked the stranger to ask the blessing for the meal. And there was something in the way that Jesus took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them. Maybe it was the tone of his voice. Maybe the words rang true to them. Maybe there was a hand gesture. Maybe even his robe fell and they saw the hand print, the nail prints in his hands. But somehow in that process, they recognized him and they knew that this was Jesus. And immediately Jesus disappeared from their sight. When the resurrection reality hit them, and they said, did not our hearts burn within us? Then they got up and they ran the seven miles back to Jerusalem and met with the other disciples and told them what they had experienced. Now, how do we know they were experiencing what you would call a low Sunday? Well, I think because they lost their focus. And there's two reasons why I suggest to you they lost their focus. First, they, they, weren't, they weren't going anywhere for any particular purpose. Um, we do know that one was named Cleopas and the other was with him. And we assume that they lived in Emmaus and they had a house there. At least one of them did. And they were going there. But when, when they recognized that it was Jesus finally and they rushed back to Jerusalem, they left whatever it was there. And obviously, it wasn't all that important to them. And they went back to Jerusalem to tell the disciples. Second reason I think that they were having a low a low Sunday is they were so disappointed at what had happened or they thought that happened and Jesus was dead and was not the one who was going to deliver them and was not the Messiah Israel had, had looked for is they lost their joy. Verse 17 says that when Jesus asked them, what are you discussing as walked along, that they stood still, their faces downcast. That word literally means sad and some other translations mean, uh, trans- use the word sad. And not only were they sad and disappointed, but the other disciples who were gathered in the upper room back in Jerusalem, they too, the scripture indicates in verse 33, were grieving. They were sad and they were disappointed. And all those disciples reacted to the resurrection in different ways. Some stayed huddled in the upper room. Some ran to the tomb and saw that it was empty. Some just went about their business as they had before Jesus had come along. 
But the reality is that when their eyes were opened, when they experienced the resurrected Christ, their lives were changed, and they had an experience of the resurrection realities. Their life was changed. They were powerful. What made the difference in their life? That they were able to turn the world upside down. I would suggest to you simply it was the resurrection realities. Those two who had the Emmaus Road experience were able to give an eyewitness account to the resurrected Jesus Christ, and that made the difference in the life of the other disciples. If you're in need of a resurrection reality or an Emmaus Road experience so that the resurrection is a burning reality in your life, so that you don't have to celebrate Easter just once a year, but that you can live in the power of the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ every day, day by day, and understand the significance of it, then you need a resurrection reality. You need an Emmaus Road experience, and here's what's encompassed in that. Three things I suggest to you. First of all, the resurrection is a transformation which takes place in our living. It takes place in our living day by day. The resurrection is a reality. And the power of the resurrection is the power of the resurrected, risen Christ to solve our difficulties, to remove our perplexities, to calm our fears, to ease our burdens, to dry our tears, to meet our every need and to satisfy every desire of our heart in him. Some of these disciples were so wrapped up in grief that that was all they could talk about. But when they encountered the risen Christ, when he came and appeared in their midst in that upper room, what a dramatic change took place in them. None of them were bold at the time of his crucifixion. They ran and hid in fear. But once they encountered the risen Christ, they were empowered, they were enabled, they were excited. They were committed to living the resurrection every day that they literally turned the world upside down, and those who saw them coming recognized them as followers of Jesus Christ. As Jesus walked with the two on the road to Emmaus and began to explain to them from Moses and all the other prophets, the darkness in their life was replaced with the dawning of reality. Their encounter with Jesus Christ was one that changed their life to where the resurrection became lived out in their life day by day. That's the first reality of the resurrection. The second is this. The resurrection is a conviction which grips our thinking. The resurrection is a conviction which grips our thinking. It's more than just something that we merely believe, but it is a conviction that takes hold of us. Those two disciples said, did not our hearts burn within us when he talked with us on the road, when he opened to us the scriptures? When's the last time that your heart really burned within you in the presence of Jesus Christ, that you knew that he was in your life, or that you felt him move in your life, or he spoke something to you, and you knew that it was he who had warmed your heart? That's what we need today. We need the resurrection in our life in such a way that we have a powerful conviction by which we live. We don't need just an opinion about Jesus. We need a conviction about Jesus Christ. In this day of social media, 
you can find any number of talk shows or people discussing issues that you can hear any number of opinions about everything in this world, particularly about Christianity, about the church, and about Jesus Christ. What we need today are people, followers of Jesus Christ, who are gripped by a conviction of who Jesus is and what he means in their life. Historians tell us that once in his life, as he was going through a dark period, that they watched Martin Luther, the great leader of the the resurrection, Right with his finger in the dust on the tabletop, he lives. He lives. And see, when our thinking is gripped by the conviction that Jesus Christ lives, then we too will have our hearts burning within us with a conviction that compels us to live every day in the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're enabled with the power of Christ to live every day facing everything and, and dealing with everything that comes to our life. More importantly, with that conviction, we move out of our comfort zone to be more of what the church is supposed to be. You see, if the early church came to Christ and came to faith in him so that they might be comfortable, the church never would have been birthed. You and I wouldn't be here today. This church wouldn't be here today. Millions of people throughout all the years following the resurrection of Christ would not have come to faith in Christ if the early church had settled to be comfortable. But they decided that they would be an adventurous people because they were gripped by a conviction, not by an opinion. In some denominations, in some churches, where you are gathered right now for this time of worship, which we call a sanctuary or the worship center. In some churches, it's called a nave, and that's spelled N-A-V-E. And it's the root word, of course, for the word navy. And it's called a nave because the background behind that was the church was seen in the early days as like a ship of people who who were battling the forces of an open sea on their way to the kingdom of God. And the implication was that you should be able to feel such an excitement about that that you would sense the wind in your hair and the salt water on your face. You see, that's when you live with a conviction about the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Life is an adventure. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we are called to live with a conviction that takes us on an adventure of faith for the glory of God. Now, the reality is not all of us live for a change. Some people like change. Some people don't. Some people like a challenge in life. Some people don't. Some people live with a vision for the future, and some people live in the past. Some live with fear. Some live with faith. The reality is it takes an extraordinary amount of courage to live the truth. Today, it certainly takes an extraordinary amount of courage and conviction to live the Christian faith in a culture of compromise. But to serve the living God and the power of the resurrection, we have to have a conviction more than opinion about Jesus Christ. 
You see, the significance of the resurrection is not just that Jesus appeared to these disciples in the first century, but that he is alive in your life and mine and in this church in the 21st century. And that should fill us with excitement and a sense of awe and an overwhelming conviction of who we are and what we should be about as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the third aspect about this resurrection reality that these disciples experienced on the Emmaus Road is that the resurrection is an experience of joy which inspires our witness. See, it's a witness that we share. When these two disciples realized that they had been in the presence of Jesus and that Jesus was indeed alive and that those rumors that had begun to circulate that maybe Jesus was alive, that perhaps some of them had gathered to debate and talk about the facts and weigh those facts and the evidence to know whether Jesus was alive or not. When they saw this and they recognized Jesus in the breaking of bread, their life was changed. They were overwhelmed with joy. And they became witnesses of that joy. You see, the early church was the result of the resurrection. And the church was a result of their witness to the culture around them. They had a story to tell. They had a Savior to proclaim. They had a witness to share. Jesus stood in their midst. We didn't read these verses, but in verses 45 and 49, this is what Jesus said to these gathered in that upper room. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the Scriptures. And he told them, this is what is written, that Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. I notice something there. Jesus told them that they would be his witnesses to what he had told them. Then he told them to stay there and to wait for what he promised to send to them. And that what he promised to send to them was the power of the Holy Spirit. And he did send that power after his ascension. And that was when the Holy Spirit descended at Pentecost. And the power of God was unleashed. And the church became a dynamic living organism with conviction. And they reached out to the culture and the world around them as they had been commanded to do by Jesus Christ. They were witnesses of the fact that Jesus was alive. He was resurrected. He was the Son of God. He was the Messiah. He died for their sins. And they were willing to die because of their conviction that they had about who Jesus was. And they did die. But in their death, the church flourished. And you and I are here today because of their conviction and because of their witness. I read about an incident in the life of Dr. Norman Vincent Peale, who was the author, foundation, founder of that positive thinking concept. Some things were lacking in that, but he was a man of faith anyway. But in this particular incident that I read about, he was visiting Switzerland. He was standing at the base of the great mountain peak known as the Matterhorn. And he stood there and he took in that majestic view. And after a while he happened to notice over here on the side what looked like a cemetery. And being inquisitive, he went over and he saw that, yes, it, indeed it was a small cemetery. And there were grave markers. And there was one stone 
that bore this fascinating inscription. We who lie here scorned the lesser peaks. We who lie here scorned the lesser peaks. You see, those who died, died in quest of something greater than what most people would settle for. There are graves all across this world where believers in Jesus Christ were willing to die for their conviction about Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. If you and I are going to make a difference in this culture in which we live today, if there's any hope for this culture and the lostness and darkness of sin in this culture, it has to be the church with the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, with the conviction that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he came to earth and he lived the perfect life, that he died as the perfect sacrifice on the cross, that he was literally buried, literally resurrected on the third day, and that he ascended into the glories of heaven where he is now seated at the right hand of God the Father and where he makes intercession for us. We have to believe that. That has to be our conviction. That has to be the power that propels us into this culture to be different and not to compromise with the culture around us, but to proclaim the life-changing and life-saving message of Jesus Christ. If we are compelled with that conviction to be witnesses of Jesus Christ, then a change will be made in our culture. There will be a difference in the lives of people with whom we come in contact. The early disciples were moved by a conviction that would not allow them to settle for the ordinary, nor to be comfortable. But they were willing to step out into a world so vastly different from theirs that they were willing to make a change in that culture with their commitment and conviction about Jesus Christ. So here we are on the Sunday after Easter, a low Sunday in attendance and maybe in spirit. And maybe you find yourself like the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Your countenance is sad. There's not as much excitement about today as it was about last Sunday. Don't just wait for another year to celebrate the resurrection. Grasp the reality of the resurrection today. Live by the conviction of Jesus Christ as your living Savior. Let Christ restore the joy of your salvation. Accept the challenge to live above this culture and share your conviction about Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord. Let's pray. Father, on this Sunday after Easter, help us to grip as strongly as we can in, in, in mind and heart and soul the reality of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ and help us to be a people of conviction. So that we will accept that mandate from Christ to be witnesses of what we know to be true about the life of Jesus Christ, our Savior, our living Redeemer. Help us to be empowered that we would not compromise our faith, not compromise our beliefs, but that we would be held by a conviction born through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord. May we as individuals and as a church live for your glory with power 
and hope and determination. May we be different so that we can make a difference. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.